Are there any South Africans here? No, not Africa. South Africans I don't like at the moment because of the rugby. So, all right. No, it's great to see you. And it's great to be in a church where so many people from different nationalities are here. I'd like this evening to, it may run to, um, I've been very kindly invited to speak in a, a couple of weeks' time. So this may not conclude tonight. I may finish it off then, depending on how we go in that. But I'd like to talk to you about um, one of the major, I believe, events in the New Testament that took place. We had, of course, the incarnation of our Lord, and then we had particularly Acts 2, when the church was filled with the Holy Spirit. I think the conversion of Saul was a very, very important Saul who became Paul, a very pivotal moment. But there was another occasion when two men were brought together by God, Peter and Cornelius. They couldn't have been more different in their backgrounds. One was Peter, who was now one of the apostles. He was Jewish in his background. We had Cornelius, who was of the Italian band, obviously probably Italian, part of the Roman occupying forces in that part of the world. Two completely opposite men that God brought together for a purpose. And I'd like us to just look at that this evening because God places principles down for us in these encounters that these two men had. So if you have your Bible, I'd like to read to you from Acts chapter 10, please. And as I say, please don't panic. If we don't finish tonight, we can maybe, uh, God willing, speak, finish off another time. So we're in Acts chapter 10. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those who were in need and prayed to God. So there we have the first character in our story, the man Cornelius. It gives us a quick bit of information about him. First of all, he was a soldier. Secondly, he was a centurion. It seems that every time a centurion is mentioned in Scripture, it speaks well of them. I don't know what it is about centurions, but they're mentioned several times. And we have a thumbnail sketch of this man here. First of all, he was of the Italian band. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. Now you might say, well, how can he be a God-fearing person? At that time, the Jewish nation were God's chosen people. Well, as you will know, there was an opportunity for Gentiles to be included in the covenant through something that was called, they could become a proselyte to the Jewish faith. That's why we had the Gentile courts, etc., within the temple. And most of us would believe that Cornelius was one such person who had aligned himself with the Jewish faith, acknowledging who God was, Jehovah, acknowledging there was one God, although he came from a, an empire that had many gods and most of the Caesars were daft enough to think that they were gods. And we find that this is the man who is going to be pivotal in changing, I believe, the direction of the church. Mission is a word you're hearing a lot of over these days, and this story is pivotal in the mission of the church, not only in the New Testament, but even today. So there we have him. He was God-fearing, and he gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. So he wasn't one of the apostles. He wasn't one of the disciples 
but he obviously loved God. And we're told there that he prayed and he gave to the poor. That's a good starting point maybe for us to consider our lives. How often do we pray? How often do we give to the poor? And these were two things that scripture marks out as an illustration of his devotion. That he not only spoke to himself, but he spoke to God. He didn't only think of himself, but he thought of others marked out in the poor. And this man was going to be used in a marvellous and pivotal way. We find that one day in verse 3, at three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Wouldn't it be lovely? An angel turns up and they know your name. I'm terrible with names. I'd forget names. I don't forget if I've lent you money, <laughs> but I forget names. I am terrible. It's not you. It's nothing to do with you. I'll, I'll remember where you work, what you drive, etc., etc. I'm not good on names. But this angel came and mentioned him by name because he'd been sent by God to him. Something momentous was going to happen. Tremendous. Something that was going to be unique required an angelic messenger. He didn't send a preacher, didn't send a prophet, didn't send an apostle. Uh, well, he did later. But he sent an angel first to Cornelius. Cornelius asked in fear. Well, won't we be fearful? If an angel turned up, the angel of the Lord, uh, angel of God, pardon me, and said Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord, he asked. The angel answered, your prayers and your gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. So his prayers and his giving was a memorial offering before God. So the man wasn't giving to get, he was giving to God. If you give to get, you'll be disappointed. But if you give to God, there's a blessing coming down the road sometime. Can't say what it is or when it is, but that is how God would work. And so the angel said, your prayers and your gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial before God. And this is what he wanted him to do. Now send men to Joppa and bring back a man named Simon who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel had spoken to him and gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. So here's where the encounter begins. It begins not with Peter, it begins with Cornelius. Now, he was to send for Peter to come to his house. Now, strictly, should it not have been the other way around? Shouldn't um, Cornelius have travelled to where Peter was? But that's not what God said. God said, look, you know, Peter's an apostle, etc., and you're just, you know, really in the pecking order, and there is no pecking order in the New Testament. But in that, in that arena, surely Cornelius should have gone to where Peter was. But that's not what the angel said. The angel said, I want you to send and get Peter to come to you. That was all part of what God was going to be doing in Peter's life. Because this wasn't just something that would affect Cornelius. God was as interested in changing Cornelius as he was interested in changing Peter. Although it sounds strange, you know, will you come to my house? You travel to me rather than me travel to you. And that was all part of what God was going to reveal to them. So now we switch. 
We now switch from Caesarea, which was named after Caesar Augustus. Herod built Caesarea after, in honour of Augustus, the Caesar. And now it turns to Peter. So Cornelius has had his vision. Cornelius has been told what to do. And Cornelius is doing what he was told to do. He was sending men and he even sent a soldier with them to make sure no one would bother them on the journey. So now we come to Peter. About noon the following day. So we have the afternoon and then we have the following day. Okay, um, 24 hours possibly, I don't know, it does, it's not important. About noon the following day, they were on their journey and approaching the city. Peter went up onto the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat and while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. So here we find here that Peter now, in, in um, Acts 10 verses 9 here, we find that his soul is involved, he's in prayer, his body's involved, he's hungry, but his mind is involved and he goes into a trance. Now that's an, a strange word really, it's not found often in the scripture, in fact this may be the only place, but something happened to him, he was having a revelation from God. Cornelius had a vision, an angel stood there and said, listen, send some of your folk and get Peter to come here please. Okay, I'll do it. But Peter went into a trance because he was going to see something. He wasn't just going to hear something. He wasn't just going to meet an angel. <coughs> Excuse me. But he was going to actually see something. So he's on the roof and he's praying. Please note, both these men were men of prayer. May I say this? I don't pray enough. Does anybody agree that, are you like me? Yeah. We don't pray enough. If I doubled my prayer life, it wouldn't be enough. If I tripled it, we can never pray enough. But these two men, Cornelius and Peter, were marked out by prayer. You have a desire to know more of God. You have a desire to maybe be used by God. Please, you can't go past this step. You've got to talk to him. You've got to talk to him in prayer. Both were generous, both prayed, both were obedient. And so Peter, again, about noon, he's on the roof praying. He's hungry, he wants something to eat, the food's being prepared, he fell into a trance. And this is what his trance, he saw in his trance. He saw heaven open and something like a large sheet being let down to the earth by its four corners. Now every now and again, my wife gets me to fold sheets with her, you know, but my arms are never wide enough. But what happened was a large sheet came down from heaven. You think, well, that's not a very exciting vision. Well, we're not finished yet. You wait till you find out what was in the sheet. He saw heaven open, something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all the kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles of the earth and birds of the air. Then a voice said, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Now it's quite obvious that these animals in this were unclean animals. The Jewish people had, uh, the God, not the Jewish people certainly, but God had said that some animals they could eat and some animals they couldn't eat. The most obvious one that many of you will know is that the Jewish people will not eat pork, okay? And that was unclean. And so Peter's being challenged here. He's being challenged, he's being asked to do something. I'm sure he queried maybe where this trance has come from. 
where this vision had come from. Surely God would never ask me to break the commandments. Surely God wouldn't ask me to break the kosher laws from the Old Testament. But God was dealing with a man's heart. God wasn't dealing with his menu. He was dealing with his heart. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. Let's believe that. There's no need for us to challenge that thought. The boy spoke the second time. You see, God said to him, get up, kill and eat. And it was obvious, especially the word reptile gives us a clue, that these were unclean animals. Peter's reaction is, is to run back to base to run back to what he'd been brought up with, what he understood to be the law of God. And it was. Up until this point, up until Christ, these laws were applicable. And he pulls back from it. He's not able to change. He's not able to comprehend what God is saying to him. And he comes back and he says this, Lord, surely not, Lord, Surely not, Lord. Lord, I'm going to paraphrase it, and if I get it wrong, please forgive me. Lord, are you absolutely sure? Are you absolutely sure you want me to do this? Because in Leviticus, and if you never know what to say, just say Leviticus. It's bound to be somewhere in there. It's what I always do. Okay. So I, even if I'm preaching on the second coming, I go to Leviticus. Right. Okay. He comes with this challenge to him. He said, surely not, Lord. Excuse me, Lord, have you got that right? Surely not, Lord. Surely you're not going to go against your word. Well, God wasn't going against his word. God had a fresh revelation. God had moved on. God had something else. And the only reason God had declared animals unclean was so that humans would know that sin had made us unclean, unacceptable. That was the only reason. Is God against certain animals? God's not against certain animals. No more he's for certain animals or against certain animals. They're part of the creation. But he wanted to understand, the Jewish people to understand, and for us to understand that before we give our lives to Christ, we are unclean. We are unacceptable. But when we give our lives to Christ, we become clean. We become acceptable to God. And this was the truth, or part of the truth, that Peter had to understand. Kill and eat. I have never eaten anything pure and clean. The voice spoke the second time. And here's a rebuke from God. Because Peter wasn't the most pliable of men at times. Okay? Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. Do not. Peter, I can declare these animals clean if I want. And I can declare Gordon Neal clean if I want. And the basis of my cleanliness is the death of Jesus Christ when he took my sins upon himself. He did this. And Peter's religious background, which was important, which had survived, which had kept the identity of Israel even in the exile, Suddenly he's been shaken to the core. Hang on a minute, I've never eaten bacon. I've never had a bacon butty. Do you say butties in London? What? Sorry, I'm a bit... What, what do you call them? 
a sandwich. Oh, sorry. Oh, a bacon sandwich. Well, I live in Derby, and in Derby, we call it anything you like as long as we get one. We're not bothered. He'd never eaten it. But God said, what right have you to call unclean what I call clean? And the reason being was not that God wanted to change his diet, but God wanted him to understand that very soon there was going to be a knock on the door and some Gentiles would be there. <gasps> Unclean Gentiles, uncircumcised Gentiles, Gentiles who were outside of the covenant that Peter was so proud of. And he was going to realize that though he could not call animals unclean and he would have no right to call Gentiles unclean if they had come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And Peter's mind, this rigid religious mindset is about to explode. If Peter had never had a migraine before, he was going to get one now. Coping with this change. And it says there, as I say very simply, this happened three times. Three times God came back and said, eat. Don't call it unclean. Three times God had to come to Peter and come on, Peter. Come on, shift, Peter. Move. Three times this happened. And immediately the sheep went back, was taken up to heaven. While Peter was wondering, <laughs> bless him. Seemed quite clear to me, Peter. But, you know, but while Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, men sent from Cornelius were found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate they called out asking if Simon who was known as Peter was staying there no sooner had the sheep gone than the unclean arrive at the door you see God was going to do two tremendous things here he was going to bring Cornelius's family Gentiles Italian Romans all the rest of it into the kingdom of God and he was going to blow Peter's mindset that everyone was eligible for the gospel. You see, the gospel started in Jerusalem, Samaria, Judea, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Philip went down to Samaria. This wasn't a new thing. This wasn't that God had suddenly sprung it on them. This was a meeting and a battle for Peter's heart and Peter's mind because he was going to be key in the future of the church. And while his mind was closed to the fact that the gospel was for everyone, for the whole world, Jesus didn't die for the Jews. He died for the Jews, but he died for the Irish as well. And I'm glad about that. And that's the situation we're at. And no sooner had the sheet gone. Hey, up. You don't say that down here, do you? Would you like to learn some Derbyshire? Are you up to it? Yes. Can you say A up? Yes. Sorry, our Nigerian friends were a bit slow there. <laughs> okay. In Derby, when you meet somebody, you go A up. Yes. Right? And then you say A up duck. Yes. When I first went to Derby, I got on a bus and the bus driver called me duck. <laughs> I was very offended. I thought, at least I'm a drake. <laughs> you know? So if you ever come to Derbyshire, just say, A up duck. And if they look at you a bit strange, say, Gordon told me to say that. And they'll understand. So Cornelius' party arrive. 
at Simon the Tanner's house. And they go, hey, up, Doc, is Peter there? No, they didn't, but I just wanted to say that. Okay. So while he was thinking about the vision, the spirit said to him, Simon, verse 19, three men are looking for you, the spirit said. Three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them. Why would he hesitate? Because they were Gentiles. Later on, and we'll look at this, they were going to be crit- he was going to be criticised for having a meal with them. Oh, can't have a meal with Gentiles. Oh, you get unclean. Oh, oh dear, dear, dear. Let's wash our hands. And he says, don't hesitate. Peter, I'm in this. This Peter is a God thing. It's not a ecclesiastical it's not the council of Jerusalem listen Peter I'm involved in this an angel went to Cornelius you had a vision and I'm telling you what to do go with them and don't hesitate and that's why Cornelius had to get Peter to come to him and not the other way around because part of the challenge for Peter was the fact that not only would he go to meet Gentiles he would go into a Gentile house You got the picture now? So it was two things happening. Peter was going to break the barriers, go over the line into the unclean world of the Gentiles and preach. And now he had to go with them. While Peter was was still thinking about it, the vision, the Spirit said, three men are coming. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, I am the one you're looking for. Why have you come? Well, he knew why they'd come. God had sent them. But anyway, there we are. We have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous man and God-fearing. That wouldn't dent Peter. Righteous, Gentile. Mm-hmm. A righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to have you come to his house so he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. So they came into Peter's house and Peter was going to go to their house. And so Peter understood now that the the sheet may have been animals, but who can you call unclean? And these Gentiles weren't clean yet. Oh no, they were still unclean. But something was happening because not only was he going to reveal to Peter, he was going to clean with him. Okay, Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, right, imagine this. This is a preaching opportunity that God had given Peter. Now, I have, I've had an invitation to come this evening. Thank you very much. And, um, and we, believe, we trust God is in it. Although looking at you, I think you're not sure sure yet. But you know, but Peter was sent there by the Holy Spirit. So he walks into this. He's now going into a Gentile house. Lord, I've never, nothing unclean has ever passed my lips. Oh, right, okay, Peter, you're a good Jew. Let's see if you're a good Christian now. Get in this house. Cross that step. Go that extra distance and come in. And of course he didn't. Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. Wow. I've never had that happen, that people fall at my feet. 
And please, Scott, I know you want to. <laughs> but please don't. It would be embarrassing. Okay, so please control yourself. Could you keep an eye on him, please? If he moves, just grab him. He will want to do that, I know. And he, he bowed, he said, but wouldn't you? This is Cornelius. He'd seen an angel. Go and get this Peter. Peter arrives, this apostle, and what does he do? He falls down. Why? Because he's not a Christian yet. And Peter says these great words. But Peter said to him, stand up, he said. I'm only a man myself. I'm only a man. It's one man to another man. Not Gentile to Jew. I'm only a man. Get up. You don't need, you don't worship me. Don't give me honour. Don't give me praise. Now, I believe in honour. I believe in, you know, and I'm treated with great courtesy when I come here and thank you for it. But there's no need to fall down and worship. There's no need to give reverence in this way. In fact, I'm surprised that Cornelius did it if he was that God-fearing. But he said, stand up. I am only a man myself. And that is what every Christian minister and person has to remember, and the ladies as well, that we are only human beings. We're only men or women who God may graciously use us in some way. Whenever you start to think you're special or you're wonderful, first of all, ring me up and I'll help you. <laughs> you know, have you got my number, Scott? You have. Okay, we, I'll humble you. Don't you worry. One thing we have in Elam is the gift of humbling, <laughs> humbling, you know. And when you start to think, well, I'm special. Remember what Peter said. I'm only a man. I'm a woman. And if God is using you, you want to be thankful to God. Because you'll find out that any gifts you've got, he gave you. Any fruit that you've had is his fruit. You know, one sows the other one, but God gives the increase. And so there we have it. I'm almost finished. Um, we'll, we'll save the sermon for another time. Peter went inside and found a large crowd uh, uh, gathering of people. Cornelius had got a, a, a house group together because he said, listen, we've got this guy. I've had an angel visit. And, you know, he's told me to get this guy to come. So, well, I want to meet him. Anybody that God sends by an invitation, I want to meet him. Um, he said to them, are you well aware that it is against our laws for Jews to associate with Gentiles or visit him? He's declared it. I mean, that talk about winning people over. That's what he said to the group. There was a large crowd. He said to them, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with a Gentile or visit him. Well, he had visited him and he was in the room. And here we have the tremendous words. He said, but God... You see, we can change our attitudes, our prejudices or whatever it may be when we know God is involved. He says, but God has shown me that I should not call any man impure or unclean. The penny had dropped. The sheet, he understood it. Do you remember he pondered about it? He thought about it. He was wondering about it. Well, he thought about it. He wondered about it. And now he understood it that Peter could no longer turn around and say to anyone they're unclean because the gospel of Jesus Christ is for everyone. And please, I'm not being slick here when I say this, even you, whoever you might be, 
say, well, it's not for me. Well, who said it? It is for you. Now, whether you accept it is up to you, but let me tell you what, the gospel is for every person that's ever breathed on this earth. Every one of them. It's whether we decide to avail ourselves of that. Almost finished. But God has shown me that I should not call any man impure or unclean. So when you sent for me, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent for me? Okay. So Peter had crossed the first bridge. He was in the house. He was mixing with the Gentiles. And now he's saying, right, why have you sent for me? I'm curious. Why would a centurion send for me? Cornelius answers, four days ago in my house praying. And Cornelius begins to explain to him about what had happened. Verse 13, so I sent for you immediately and it was good of you to come. Isn't that polite? Cornelius says to Peter, it was good of you to come. I know it was a challenge. I know it was a journey. I know you put yourself out. Thank you for obeying God and coming. But this is the reason. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. What a congregation. We're here to listen to everything that the Lord has commanded you to tell us. And that set the scene. And the next, uh, in a few weeks' time, I'm back. We'll look at Peter's sermon. I'll preach his sermon almost. Um, that's because it could be a good one of our preaches, you know. And we'll look at what did Peter say to this group. But let me just, if I can, just for a second, turn over to um, to um, pardon me into um, Genesis, uh, Exodus 11. Okay. Now after this event. It was reported back to head office what had happened. And it says there in verse 18 that the household get converted. So let the cat out of the bag, but you knew that. Verse 18, when they heard this, they had no further objection and praised God saying, so then God has granted even the Gentiles repentance unto life. That's what it was about. It was about Peter changing his attitude, Cornelius' family coming to faith, and the head office realising that God, Gentiles, could by repentance come under the grace and mercy of God. And the church was never going to be the same again. Oh, there were going to be some religious people who were demanding this and, you know, the Gentiles must do this and they must do the other. But let me tell you, friend, I am free of all law but I hope I conduct myself in a way that is pleasing to God. I hope the Ten Commandments are part of my life. I hope that my spirit of forgiveness is available to all. I hope I am not calling anyone unclean who God has called clean. So next time I'm with you, I will look at that sermon, if, if God willing, that what did Peter say to them that brought such a reaction that the church in Jerusalem changed its official policy on international missions. In fact, we could say international missions was born as a result of this. Oh, you say, what about Acts 2? There were people from all nations there. Excuse me, Acts 2, it says devout Jews out of every nation. That was not the same as this. Then Philip went down to Samaria. That was a good start. But now the door was open and it became official 
policy. You've listened ever so well. I, I, that may not have been as clear as I'd hope it to be. But friends, we've, the, the, the great joy of this is this, that you might feel unclean this evening. You might be saying, Gordon, I've watched the folk worshipping and the people around me and they just seem to be so involved in it. I feel so bad. I feel, quote, sinful. Ooh, you can't say that word now. It's not PC. Well, it might not be PC, but it's God's C, let me tell you. You know, and you're thinking, well, do you know what? I, I feel unclean. I don't feel, really, I, I shouldn't be in church because all the people around me are holy. Let me tell you, they're not because I'm getting to know some of them. And let me tell you this. If you give your life to Jesus, you will be clean. Say, so what, what do you mean? That's it. You will be clean. At the moment, your sins have made you unclean. You are separated from God because of your sin. Not his doing, your doing. But if you repent, even if you're a Gentile, and probably all are Gentiles here, I would think, apart from maybe one or two, then you have to repent and you can, what did the church say? Um, grant the Gentiles repentance unto life. You can have eternal life. You say, but you don't know how unclean I am. I don't want to know. I'm not interested. If you say, can, you, can I tell you all my sins at the end of the service? No, you can't. I've got a train to catch. <laughs> but, I've got but I've got time to tell you about Jesus. I am not interested in your sins. I couldn't give two hoots about your sins. I don't want to know how unclean you are. I want you to be clean. I want you to say, Gordon, if I give my life to Christ, if I say to God, I'm sorry for the wrong things I've done, you're telling me he will accept me and I will be clean in God's sight. Yes, not because you deserve it, because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross for you. He died for you. Now, please, this isn't, a new teaching. The Church of Jesus Christ has been talking about this since its foundation. And next time I come, nothing like giving a bit of plug, is there? We'll look at that sermon that turned a whole household into Christians.